Good morning. That was horrible. Good morning. That's slightly better. Good. Um, man, uh, I'm so excited to be here with you guys this morning. I think it's always awesome when you come out of worship and you're like sweaty. You're like, what'd you do? Um, uh, praising Jesus until the sweat came out, right? Like, that's good. And that's really, I'll be honest, the only way it should ever be done, right? Um, man, so good uh, to be here and so good to worship him with you guys this morning. I think the amazing thing is, right, we've heard the gospel like 12 times already um, today, and um, uh, it just never gets old for me. I don't know about you guys, but maybe I'm still on the elementary things, but I just can't get over the cross. Um, I cannot get over the fact that Jesus, the Son of God, came here, right? Like God in flesh. That's crazy. Like It's, it's crazy. And I've heard it a million times, I promise, and, and it's so weird today that it's still exciting to me. That God, the Son of God, God in flesh, left heaven and he came down to this place, right? He wrapped that glory, that light in, in flesh. What is flesh? It's just mud, right? Dirt and water. Go back to Genesis, what are we made out of? He wrapped that glory in, in dirt. And he lived here with us for 33. How frustrating would that be as God, right? created everything and you guys screwed it up and now I'm here with you <laughs> and I'm stuck here for 33 years and I'm living perfect right I'm the example I'm doing everything right and and you guys are out doing your thing and you don't even see it I would be frustrated and he never was I can't believe he did that right and then at the end of that life like Jesus the son of God with all the power of God and the personality you've got the star breather right look at Colossians everything's made by him for him through him right the star breather, Jesus, actually let man, sinful man, rebellious man, nail him onto a cross. Why do you say let man? Because, man, if you can breathe out the stars, there is no Roman soldier powerful enough right, to put nails in your hands if you don't give them permission to. And Jesus, the Son of God, stretched out his hands and his feet, and he allowed sinful man to put nails in him. To, to, to beat him and to whip him and to mock him. Can you imagine like mocking God? I just can't even imagine that. And, and he allowed that to happen and then stayed on that cross for hours and then died. And he did all that for us. 33 years running around with us, knew there was nothing in us worth dying for. Knew for a fact we didn't deserve it, Right? Knew for a fact we didn't earn it, and still at the end of that, Jesus died for us. Blows me away. And I'm, I'm sorry if I get a little too excited for you. I just can't get over that. So um, maybe, maybe you can, can walk over where I am if you want, but I'm not coming back there. I've been there. Not going to stay there. Um, it just blows me away. And I'm not ashamed of that. So, um, man, so good this morning to be in the house and to sing about him, about Jesus. And this morning we're going to continue just to talk about him. We're going to be in Matthew. So if you have your Bible, you can flip there. We're going to be in Matthew 16 this morning. And we're going to kind of, I think, right, I've said this before and I've been wrong, but I think we're going to kind of end this series this morning, Heaven's Open. Uh, we'll see what happens next week, I guess. But, man, so um, blown away, really, by this series. And you're like, well, how? Um, well, A, because there's a reality today among us that heaven is still open. 
that is still available. It's still a place that people can get to and go to. And that's good news for me because I want to go there. (laughs) And it's good news for you because you probably want to go there. And it's good news for everybody that doesn't even know that they want to go there today because there's still a way and a chance and an opportunity because our God is still the God who saves. I think so many times we forget that because if you've grown up in church, right, you're used to maybe one person a year, two people a year, just kind of a slow trickle from the faucet of people that, I'll be honest, were born in church and then they have been raised in church, which is great. I'm not knocking that. And then finally, they've just been around the gospel in this setting enough that, that they, they give their life to Jesus. And that's amazing. Uh, not exactly the idea, I think, when... Jesus created the church. And I think we've forgotten that there's more to church, right, than like I'm going to come and I'm going to sit and I'm going to leave and then I'm going to come back the next week or I'm going to sing the songs or I'm going to turn on the radio to the station or maybe I'll even be radical and I'll open the Bible every once in a while and read it or something like that. Um, But there was more to it than that. And I think there's always been more to it than that. And somewhere we've made it really easy and we've kind of dumbed it down. And in, in that process, we've really killed what the idea that Jesus had in the heart for the church. And, and this is the remnants. And I'm not knocking that. I love it. I believe in it. I got saved in it. But I just want to be honest with you. It's not the whole picture. And it's actually, even in other countries, not what they do. Right? Amen. Um. And it's good, and and thank God that we have this opportunity, but it's not the end of the story, especially when you have Jesus that says things like to to the disciples, like, hey, go, and as you are going, make disciples, right? Not as you are going, come and sit in a chair on Sunday, or as you are going, invite people to church, which is a revolutionary idea, actually. Um, We don't really do that anymore, but um, that's not the whole picture either. He says, as you were going, like actually physically go out there and tell people the story of Jesus. And, and then we read things like, uh, you're the fragrance of life to those that are being saved, right? And the fragrance of death, death to those that are dying. And we, don't, we know we don't have any really control over that, but we think we do. And Jesus just said to go and, and, and as you go, like be these things. And some people, guess what? They'll come to know Jesus. When have we seen that? So what fragrance are we being? See, the idea always was that the church would go and they would seek those that are lost and then they would, they would tell them the story of Jesus and if they responded with yes, then they would come to church, right? And they would come be part of this and they would go learn how to do the same thing. And then if they said no, they would go do whatever they do. So really, like, I think somebody said this to me the other day, and it makes so much sense. You should never even have to give an altar call in church because everybody should know Jesus when they walk in here, and we should just be celebrating, right, like what he's done because we went out during the week and told people about Jesus, and they come to know him. So we should, like, line up in the front at the end and be like, all right, who got saved this week? Let's celebrate. And we've missed that somewhere along the way, and Somewhere along the way, we've decided that God doesn't save like he used to, or God doesn't work like he used to, or God doesn't move like he used to. And the truth of it is, is just no, we are not what we are supposed to be. I'm not saying all that to, to, to bash us this morning. I'm in the same boat with you, right? Like I'm here in this building. So <laughs> if I'm bashing anybody, it's me too. 
But I think the reality of it is if nobody is ever brave enough to stand up and identify the problem, then the church will never begin to fix the problem. Amen. So this morning, um, with that knowledge and that thought, we want to go into Matthew 16, and we want to see kind of what Jesus is doing here. We're going to start in verse 13, and it says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, this is an area kind of in northern Israel. It's a Roman city. It's about 25 miles north of the Sea of Galilee, and this is, to my knowledge, the only time Jesus ever visited the city. It's a Roman city. It's a pagan city, and as we know, Jesus didn't really go hang out a whole lot with people that were not the Jewish people. So we already like, why are you, why are you going there? Um, it's a city where there's temples dedicated to Caesar, right? <laughs> like the emperor, religious temples dedicated to a man. And it's a center of worship for a, a, a pagan god named Pan. This place where um, really, if you could compare it to anything today, it would be a city maybe like um, Las Vegas, right, where it's like just to go do the human thing. Like that's the closest thing to Sodom and Gomorrah I can think of and that we would have a, a relationship with today. But, but this would be the kind of idea of Caesarea Philippi, just a, a city filled with pagans and sinners. And Jesus didn't hang out there often. Like this is the one trip. And it says that, that he took the disciples to this place. He came to the region of Caesarea Philippi and, and he went there and he asked the disciples this question. You'd think that's crazy. Like come all this way, 25 miles north of the Sea of Galilee, not in a car, by the way, and not on a horse, by the way. Like we walked here um, into this region to ask a question. And he gets there and, and, and what he says to these guys is, who do people say that the Son of Man is. And you're like, Jesus, you did not come all the way up here to ask us a trivia question. There has to be something else kind of in there. Um, but he asked this question, who do people say that the Son of Man is? What are, what are the crowds saying? And it's kind of a loaded question, right? Because Jesus is not talking about some figure, right, off in the distance somewhere. Um, he's talking about himself. The Son of Man is actually Jesus' favorite title for himself. He calls himself that 28 times in, in the book of Matthew. His favorite title. He doesn't use any other title for himself as much as he does this one. And it has a meaning, a meaning that Jewish people would know as soon as they heard it. See, the Son of Man is found in Daniel. It's in the prophecies. And, and it's talking about this um, eternal king that would leave the heavens and he would come down and he would set up an eternal and universal kingdom. And he would rule over that kingdom forever. And Jesus, when he says he's the son of man, is already identifying himself, right, as this prophetic king, this heavenly king that would step down and he would set up this eternal and universal kingdom. So really what he's asking when he says this is, hey, what are people saying about me? Who, who do people say that I am? We're around crowds every day, right? Like I'm teaching somewhere every day, and, and you come in contact with the people. What, what are the people saying about me? Who do people say that I am? It's a very relevant question, actually. It's a question that everybody on the planet still has to deal with today that's ever come in contact with this person, Jesus. What are, what are people saying about me? And the disciples, they go and they, they answer this question. It says, they, they said, or they are saying, right, some say that you're John the Baptist. That's weird because Jesus was around when John the Baptist was around, but let's not worry about that. Um, what they're actually not saying is he's John the Baptist, but he, they, some think he's a reincarnated form of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a good guy, right? 
the prophet. He, by, by today's ministry standards, he was very successful. He weirdly went out into the middle of nowhere, and then lots of people came. Right, crowds upon crowds, and he had large crowds, and he baptized a lot of people, right? Like, if you ever look at Twitter, that's all we want to talk about. Um, and uh, this was John the Baptist's ministry. This is it. That's what he did. He died back in, uh, I think, Matthew 14. And in Matthew 11, Jesus called John. Um, he, he said this about him. He said, there is no greater man born from woman than John the Baptist. That's what Jesus himself says about John. So it's, it's not a bad thing to be called John the Baptist, by the way, or to be compared to John the Baptist, by the way. But it's still wrong, isn't it? It's not bad. Like, Jesus, man, you're like John the Baptist. Like, I would love to be compared, kind of, except for he dressed weird. So if that was the comparison, I don't want that one. But, um, you know, ministry-wise, I would love to be, to be compared to John the Baptist, Jesus said good things about him. People thought good things about him. Successful ministry. Not a bad thing to be compared to him, but not correct, right? Some people say that you're Elijah. Again, like who, who, who would care to be called Elijah? A prophet, Old Testament, kind of famous guy. Did a lot of really amazing things kind of through the, the power of God. No, nobody would care to be called or compared to Elijah, but still wrong. Said Jeremiah, um, it has a whole book right in the Bible. There's a whole book written by and about Jeremiah. Not a bad thing to be compared to Jeremiah. Or, or it says one of the other prophets. That people are saying that you're, there are these prophets, that you're Jeremiah or um, Elijah, you're one of the others, that you're John the Baptist. Not all, not bad answers, right? <laughs> I'm okay with being compared to any of those guys. At least they made it into the Bible, right? Like they're, they're pretty good guys for the most part but all not who Jesus is. See, the, the crazy thing about that is people are still guessing at who Jesus is, right? Like, go ask anybody that has heard the name of Jesus who Jesus is, and everybody will give you some kind of opinion, right? They're like, I don't care, which means uh, he existed, but I don't care anything about him. That's an opinion on Jesus. Some people say that Jesus was a, a, a good teacher. That's true. Like, people say in the Bible, there's nobody that's ever taught like him. That, that's true right? He was a good teacher. Thank you. Or they, they'll say things like, I respect the teachings of Jesus. You've heard people say that. What that means is, I don't really know what he taught, but he was a pretty good dude, all right? Because they don't know. Or Jesus was a, a, a really moral man. He was, he was a really good guy. He lived a really good life. Well, it's true in part, but it's not in total, right, who he is. But it's, it's an opinion about Jesus that, that people hold, some people will say, well, Jesus was crazy. It's an opinion, right? It's not a good opinion, but it's an opinion. And in reality, if he wasn't who he said he was, then, then he kind of had to be. That'd be people that believe that, that Jesus came and he thought he was the Son of God, although he really was not. And he died thinking that. That's an opinion about Jesus. Some people, oh, he's a prophet, right? Even Islam respects Jesus as one of the greatest prophets to ever be on the planet. I met a Muslim guy one time, and he had a Bible sitting like by the cash register, and I thought I was going to like be an evangelist and just be do my good deed, right? Like, oh, man, you you like the Bible, so you probably know Jesus. And then he hits me back with, nope, I'm Muslim. I just respect Jesus. And then uh, God made me share the gospel, uh, which was awesome, um, but also not really what I thought I was going to be doing. 
but they believe, right, in Jesus. Uh, he's a prophet anyway. Uh, there are some people that believe Jesus was a deceiver, that Jesus pretended to be the Son of God and, and, and to lead people away, right? And all those are opinions about Jesus. And, and really today, all, all of those matter. It matters what we think about Jesus. And that, that's what he's asking the disciples. Like, what, what do people say that I am? What are people saying about me? Who do people think that I am? Can I just say that all of those that they give, maybe not all the examples I gave, but all of those that they gave are, are, are decent answers, but they are not correct. Just like it's, it's not fully correct to say, well, Jesus is an extremely moral man. Well, yes, he was, but he was so much more than that. Just like it's, it's kind of correct to say that Jesus was the, the greatest teacher that's ever lived. Like, I respect the teachings of Jesus. Well, that's, that's great news, but none of those are like saving answers, right? You can respect Jesus and still be lost and go to hell, right? You, you can think Jesus is the most moral man on the planet and still be lost and go to hell. And you can even follow his teachings and, and try to live morally like he did and, and still be lost and, and go to hell. All of those are, are decent answers, but they're not really good answers, right? But they're answers that everybody has to deal with today. And then Jesus says to, to the disciples in 15, but you, like he asked them, who do you say that I am? Let me just cut to the chase and, and take out the titles and the fancy words because I don't want you weaving around this question. Like, what do you say about me? What do you, what do you, who do you think I am? This is a question that's far more serious, really, than the, sec- or the first question. The first question, I believe it's important to know what people are saying about Jesus. So you have to ask to know, right? You have to have a conversation to know. But before we ever really can, can do anything about that question, we all have to deal with this question. Who do you say that I am or he is? What, what, do, you, what do you say about me? I, I think this is kind of where it gets interesting because Jesus brought these guys 25 miles away from everybody else to ask him this question like arguably this is the reason right like jesus could have asked in any city who do men say that i am he could have walked up and asked people himself this was the icebreaker question what what are people saying about me that's great you can know what people are saying about jesus none of that really matters what what matters is your answer about jesus and jesus brought these people 25 miles away from everybody else right from every other person that's ever experienced really who Jesus is and what he's done. He's never been to this city before, and he brings them to this city, to this place, to this place that's a pagan city full of people that probably maybe have heard stories of Jesus but have never seen him. And he asks him this question, who do you say that I am? See, this is when this question really matters, when we're away, Right? Surrounded by church people, who, who do you say that Jesus is? Well, what's the answer there, right? Peer pressure. <laughs> He's the Son of God. I believe it. Amen. Hallelujah. Because I'm not saying that it's not in here. Evangelism central. It's going down if I say, I don't know. Away from mom and dad and grandma and grandpa, uncle, friends, 
away from everybody in the quiet place and the away from everybody else place, that's when this question really matters, right? Because I'll be honest, it doesn't matter what mom's answer to who Jesus is, is. Because mom's answer is not going to do much for me. Doesn't matter who my best friend's answer is on who Jesus is, because best friend's answer isn't going to do much for me. It doesn't even matter really what the church's answer on who Jesus is, is. Because the church's answer isn't really going to do anything for me. I can hang out with those people, and I can blend in with those people, and I can even learn the culture and learn the dress and learn the words, and, and I can do all that stuff. But internally, away from everybody else, when, when I'm being honest with myself and I'm pulled away from everybody else, who do I say that Jesus is? That's the most important question we will ever deal with. So he takes him away from everybody else, and he says, hey, let me, let me just ask you, who, who, who do you think I am? You've been walking with me for a while now. You've been around for a while now. You've, you've obviously seen what I can do now, but away from the crowds and away from the hype and away from the, 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 the stage and, and the spotlight, what, what do you think? This is Simon Peter. He spoke up. Um, you'd never know how this is going to go. If you've ever read, Peter gets it really right sometimes, and he gets it really wrong sometimes. And there's not usually like a middle ground. Um, but this was a good moment for him. And it says, Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah. <laughs> Man, you are the Messiah. Let's translate that as Savior, promised one. You're the Redeemer. You take broken people and you make them whole. You, you take far away people and you bring them close. You, you are the one. You are the promise. You're the one that we've been leaning towards since Genesis chapter 3 that every prophet that we just compared you to has spoke about. You're, they're the one in Genesis 3 that God first speaks about that says you're going to crush the serpent's head and he's going to strike your heel even though I don't get that yet and we're going to see that in a few verses. You are that guy. You're the savior of the world. You are the son of man. You are the eternal king who's coming to reign forever. That's a good answer, right? That's a good, thank you, three people. That's a, that's a good answer. That's a way better answer than, well, you're John the Baptist. That's a way better answer than you're a good teacher. That's a way better answer than I respect you. That's a way better answer than I hang out because I like what you do or I like your people. That is, man, I see it. Right? I, I see it. I see it, and by the way, I've experienced it, not just I kind of see what other people are saying. He's like, man, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now, that takes guts to say out loud in front of a group of people, doesn't it? Hold on, wait, 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 wait. You mean to tell me you think 2,000 years ago God, the creator of everything, stepped down onto planet Earth? You're nuts, right? Right? It sounds like a crazy story, doesn't it? Just agree with me to humor me. Maybe you don't think it is. Maybe you've been around it too much, but it sounds crazy. Let's just be honest. God, the creator of everything, left heaven to come down here. And then he walked, and, and he grew up as like a poor carpenter, right? And he walked around with men for 33 and a half years, and at the end of his life, in perfection, he died a criminal's death. 
And then the story gets really crazy, right? Because they bury him, they put him in a grave, they roll a stone in front of the grave, and they go to bed, and they come back a couple days later, and the stone's rolled away, and Jesus is alive. This man that we saw die on the cross with nails in his hands, suffocate on his own blood. He died on the cross, and three days later, you mean to tell me he's up and he's walking around, no issues, no problems with holes in his hands? That's a crazy story, isn't it? It defies logic a little bit, right? Like, like that's not normal human brainwave thinking right there. Can we just agree with that? Like, quit pretending it's a normal story because it's not a normal story. And if you're not okay with that, you'll never tell the story. It's a crazy story. But it doesn't make it less true. Right? Like, it's okay that it's crazy because it's really a little bit crazy to believe that there's one being powerful enough to speak out all the planets, right? In the whole universe, just in one. Let there be light. Bam, there it is. A little crazy for my brain to think about. There is a God, a creator, who could set up everything in perfect order. Uh, I will preface this with it's a lot crazier to believe that it didn't happen that way. It's easier just to not think about it. And that's where most people are like evolution, right? Because you don't have to think about it. To believe that nothing created something is an impossibility. Science cannot duplicate it. See, the reality is science teaches cause and effect, and then they go, but there was no cause to all of creation. (laughs) Right? There was a big explosion, and it created everything. Go blow up a car and see if a helicopter comes out. (laughs) Explosions create chaos. God creates order. And I'm not denying that it's a crazy story, but I'm saying it takes more faith to believe that it just happened than it didn't. But let's pull it back to the cross for a minute. He stands up in front of all these guys, whoever's standing around, right? Like, we don't know if Jesus was in the city, out of the city, by the creek, by a wall. We have no idea. But he stands up in front of all these guys, and he's the first one to proclaim him as, you're the Messiah. He didn't know if anybody else was going to back him up on that, did he? Like, God, surely, man, somebody in here, like, (laughs) come on, guys, like, we've been with him a couple years now, like, maybe, but he didn't know. But Jesus asked this question, and he says, who do you say that I am? And then Peter's like, not even looking around to my knowledge in the story, he's like, well, obviously, you are the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the Son of the living God. And I know it sounds crazy. I know it sounds crazy, but I've seen you and there's nobody like you, right? Like, I I know it sounds nuts, but I've experienced you and there is nobody like you. So I'm not going, who cares what John says or Bartholomew says? They're going to be back there if they want to be back there. But what I know right now beyond anything else is you're the Messiah. You're the son of a living God. And I can't maybe explain how all that worked out. And I really maybe can't even explain why I think that, but, but, but I've seen it. And I know it. You are the Messiah. The son of the living God. And Jesus responded, and I love this. He says, Simon, son of Jonah. Don't name your kid that. I'm just kidding. It's great. He was disobedient, though. Um, (laughs) Simon, son of Jonah. You are blessed. You're blessed. What, what do you mean I'm blessed? Right? Like that's what would hit me right then. What do, you, what do you mean I'm blessed? I'm smart. Right? What do, what do you mean I'm blessed? I figured it out. I, I, I did the puzzle. 
I solved it. I found the equation. I am smart. I put two and two together, and I see you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. What do, you, what do you mean I'm blessed? This is how we try to work in church, isn't it? We think that for some reason it's a, it's a math problem where once we figure out all the parts, then we're like, oh, there it is. I believe in you, Jesus. Right? I mean, I'm not lying, am I? So we think. So we think that it's because somebody one time got up and they explained it in such a way that it made sense to us. And in that moment, we just we, we gave our life to Jesus because it all clicks for, for us. And see, what Jesus is saying here is it's not an intelligence thing. It's not, it's not an intelligence thing. It's, it's not a math problem kind of thing. It's not an equation kind of thing where you take this and you take this and you put this together and boom, I see that you're the Messiah. That's not the deal. He says you're blessed. It's kind of more of a gift kind of idea, isn't it? And then he even says, because flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. You didn't figure it out. What in your brain power that showed you that he was the Messiah, the son of the living God? It wasn't your intellect, that your IQ that was just high enough that it started making sense to you. That's not how it is. Blessed are you because flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. In other words, it wasn't a preacher that got up and delivered a, a, a sermon that just drug you into the cross. That's not how it works. There wasn't a friend who, who, who said it finally in a way that just led you right into the arms of Jesus because it's never been about those things. Can I say this to those of you who don't tell anybody about Jesus because you're so afraid you're going to screw it up? It's not a flesh and blood thing. I'm just not good with words. It's not a flesh and blood thing. I just don't know that I can explain it. It's not a flesh and blood thing. It's not a brain power thing. It's not an intellect thing. It's not they let smart people up here on the stage. I wouldn't be up here. That's not the deal. It's something greater than that. He says, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you. Other people haven't told you. It's not about what the crowds think. It's not about what common opinion is. It's not about what mom and dad said. It's something greater than that. Blessed are you because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. You know when it made sense? When God let it make sense. That's when it made sense. When God let it make sense. So those of us trying to waste all our time putting two and two together and like finding the magical equation, it's, it's not going to work that way. The prayer is, God, open my eyes that I can see your son. I don't need more brain power. I need new eyes. I don't need the equation. I need eyes to see. So bless me, Father. Flip that. Those of us that are so afraid to tell the story, guess what? We don't need new words or better teaching or more knowledge. We don't need any of that. We need those people to be blessed and us to open our mouth. Stop making excuses about why we cannot. We can make excuses all day long forever and people are still going to be in the same spot they are. That's not what he called us to. 
That's why he looked at a bunch of fishermen and some tax collectors. He said, go tell my story. Guess who he didn't go find? Theologians. They'd have wasted time arguing about it. He found the rough cut, right? And people with some issues. The people who are willing to sell the boats to go follow Jesus. And he said, go tell the story. Maybe it would have worked out better, right? If we would have found the theologians, probably not. He looked for obedient people, not talented people. And he says to Peter, man, it's amazing that you see that because it wasn't your brain that helped you to see that. My dad in heaven opened your eyes and hallelujah, this is amazing. It says in 18, and I also say, not only are you blessed, I also say to you that you are Peter. This is where we try to decide where Jesus is going with this next statement. And on this rock, I will build my church. Some people say the rock cries Peter. Actually, even the word Peter, the name Peter means rock. And if if you were Catholic or you are Catholic or you ever go try to be Catholic, they're going to teach that. Peter was the first pope, right? I don't know about that, but maybe... (laughs) And, that, and what Jesus was saying right then is, on you, Peter, I'm going to build my church. But here's the bad thing. Um, Peter died. If you've ever played Jenga, that didn't work out well. Pull the bottom peg. What happens? So I would say to you, probably what Jesus meant is not, I'll build my church on you, Peter. We believe, right, that it was on this profession of faith, on this idea that Peter, that he is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, that, that on that thought, on that word, on, on that message, that Jesus would build his church. And I, I believe that. I believe that's true. Upon that profession of faith, Jesus will build his church. Did you catch that last part? Who will build the church? Jesus will build his church. If, if that's our statement, if that's our thought, if that's what we're saying upon, upon this, that he's the Messiah, the son of the living God, Jesus will build his church. Notice, not upon our programs will Jesus build his church, and not upon our atmosphere will Jesus build his church, and not upon our talent and our ability will Jesus build his church, but just if we will push that to the front, right, that message to the front, that he is the Messiah, the son of the living God, that he, that he will build his church. He even says, right, to the disciples in another moment, if the Son of Man, here goes the same name again, be lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself, right? There, there it is again, just in different words. I'm just trying to decide, trying to hear the Spirit. Hold on. Um, I'll go for it. Um, There's a third possibility uh, when I was looking this up. Um, This area um, that that Jesus was with the disciples 25 miles north of the Sea of Galilee, um, the Caesarea Philippi, um, was a pagan city, 
right? It was a city filled with sinners and kind of the lowest of the low, a, a group of people that were not the people of God, a group of people that worshipped other gods and other people. And there was a mountain kind of in that region, the Mount of Horeb. And the face of that mountain near the city, Caesarea Philippi, was filled with little temples and shrines to other gods. They called this um, mountain the, the Rock of God. The Rock of God. Um, and, and the other theory, and I'm, I'm not saying this is true, um, but I'm saying it's a possibility and maybe we should deal with it today. These are pagan people, a pagan city that follows other gods. And maybe what Jesus is saying to the disciples in this moment is, I'm not going to build my church on the religious people. I'm not going to build my church on the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the, the people of God, the Jewish people, but I'm going to build my church on those that everybody else counted out. I'm going to build my church on, 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 the, on those that are kind of in the farthest corners, on those that everybody else think unreachable. And I don't know that that's what he meant, but what happens when Jesus leaves this planet after he says to the disciples, go, where do they go? The disciples leave, right? They scatter and they go to these pagan cities with the least of these and the lowest of the low. They, they scatter into the far reaches of the world where people are worshiping other gods and doing kind of unspeakable, unnatural things. And that's where they take this message of Jesus. And maybe what he's saying is, hey, quit looking for religious people to fill up a religious room with a religious gathering. I'll build my church on the drug addict. I'll build my church on the, on, on the liar and the thief. I'll, I'll build my church on, on the people that you think unreachable. If you, if you go out there, that's when you'll see me build my church. And, and I don't know. So three possibilities. I think the last two are correct. I think the first one is completely wrong. Definitely Jesus will build his church on this profession that, that he is the Messiah, the son of the living God. There is no other way, right? There is no other way. There's no other answer to the question. There's no other, there's no other thought that really matters. Like, like if, if Jesus isn't building his church, maybe the reason why is we've, we've taken that message from the sinner. But can I say this to you? I'm not being offensive or trying to, trying to create friction, but the church is not a building. The church is a group of people. And if you're not building your life upon that profession of faith, then Jesus will not build the church around it. I want to see Jesus do amazing things, so then be one. I want to see Jesus change my life. Well, how, how bad do you want to see that? I want to see Jesus save people. Well, are you going to be involved in that, or are you just going to pray for it and never change anything i want to worship like i used to well then do it what's keeping you from it i want to be close like i used to be do it nothing's keeping you from it right if we're not seeing it i wonder why we're not and maybe we quit building around that thing or maybe just maybe we think that the great commission is get more programs so you can steal more church people so you can have more people in a room not, hey, there's people out there that are hurting and dying and lost and going to hell, and that's the people Jesus come for. Yeah. 
possibility, isn't it? Hey, there are people out there at, at their house today, and I'm not knocking that. Like, why would they not be? They don't know him. Why would they not be? Did you come to church? Why? I've tried that. But maybe we just forgot that outside of this place, there are people that need Jesus in, in, a, in a desperate way, and, and nobody in here cares. Whatever it is, Jesus is saying to Peter in this moment and to us through this moment, like upon this rock, right? Upon this profession, upon this group, I'll build my church. But then he says this crazy thing, this crazy statement, and the forces of Hades will not overpower it, or the forces of hell will not overpower it. Man, like I long to be part of that church. It doesn't say they won't have a good go at it, right? It's in the end, they will not win. It doesn't say that they won't come against you and 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 come against you for the rest of your life. It just says they won't win. But man, I long to be part of that. Upon this rock, I will build my church, and the forces of hell won't prevail against it. That's still an opportunity today. I'm not saying all this to to make you feel like the church is defeated. I don't believe that. I believe the church is alive and vibrant, right? And I believe that the church is going somewhere. The church is gonna a here on the planet go somewhere but then b when we're done here we're going somewhere with him and i don't believe it's over for the church and i I think people would tell you that and if that was like a magazine headline cover today it wouldn't be impossible for me to believe that they would put that on there but the church is not defeated what i believe is the church is asleep um I, i believe that we've for some reason, right? Like, what, who cares what the reason is? For some reason, we've reduced what God has called us to to come to a building. Doesn't that sound silly? God saved you so you could come to a building. It's great. It's great. It's not what I, it's not what I got. God saved you so you could sing some songs and raise your hand when we got to the right bridge. That's great. It's not what I got. God saved you so you could change your radio station. It's good. It's not what I got. God saved you so you could try to be good. Waste your time doing that. It's not what I got. Uh, Expand that wherever you want. Can Can I just be honest? God saved you to put a longing in your heart for something bigger than you. Saved you so that you could be part of his gospel mission on the planet. Uh, He saved you so you could make a difference in the world. And he saved you so that he could build his kingdom upon the tools of the church. And I I don't don't know about you, but I've grew up in church like 31 years on this journey now. And I'll be honest with you, like 
I've never seen the church that I read about in the Bible. But I long to. There's something in me that's like, man, if, if I could see that, I would leverage like everything to get there. If I could see a church that like really was involved in such a way that it made an eternal impact in the community, I would leverage everything to get there. I, I, would, I would show up whenever I had to show up and I would serve however I had to serve and I would pray whatever I needed to pray and I would give whatever I needed to, pr- to give because here's what I know, like this is a short time that we're here. And I don't want to waste it all just sitting and hearing and, and going through the motions. Like, I don't want to do that. I want to see as much of God as I can here because when I get there, uh, I want to know so I can worship in full, right? I don't want to be on the basics when I get there. Oh, thank you, Jesus, that I got to come to church every Sunday. Like, that's not what I want to be at. I want to be at, hey, Jesus, I'm here and I'm tired and I'm worn out and I'm weary and I'm so done with that. And I thank you, God. That I made it here. I was limping when I come in the gate, but I'm here. And then I want to sit there and I want to watch people walk in that I met in the street. Watch people that other people said, nope, it's not a deal for you. You can't get there. People that were addicted and afflicted and, and messed up and jacked up just like me. And I want to watch them come in. And I want to watch their face. I want to be part of that. I want to be part of a church that it just makes the devil mad like every morning. I want to be part of a church that the gates of hell would even bother with. We've got to shut that down. We've got to shut that down. I don't know what's going on in there, but we've got to shut that down. People that I had in power that were addicted, they're getting set free in there, and we've got to shut that down. People that I was I had the verge of them taking themselves off this planet. People I had on the edge of taking their own life. They're they're getting redeemed in there, and, and they're they're having hope in there. We got to take them out. I want to be part of that church. So here's what I, I, I want to invite you to do with me. I want to invite you to do two things. One, I want you to pray with me that God would make us that. But that would even start with us, right? Like, don't pray that for me. I'm going to pray that for me. I want you to pray that for you. And if, if you're not serious about it, that's cool. Don't pray it. But then I want you to do something with me. I want, I want you to commit to, I'm going to go do something, Right? If something starts with trunk or treat on Tuesday, that's something, right? Like, it's not a big thing. It's a, that's a little thing right we're not going into the world we're going into the parking lot but that's a step it's better than nothing so get here we got candy bring some if you need it but get a trunk and just love people when they walk by why you love me because jesus loves me you don't know me yeah but i know me we're gonna go once a month in the community and do something and just let people know hey we're not a bar right do it you know people right like today you could list people that the a don't know jesus and b don't go to church anywhere and, and you ignore this topic every time you see it and you're ignoring it until they leave this place away from him do something about it so if that's you uh, and and you you want to be part of the church that sees that that's a little thing we're going to do more stuff but you got to start somewhere <laughs>
If that's you, I want you to do two things with me this morning. A, I want you to pray that God would, would use you, that he would make you that kind of church. That if, it's, if it's that definition of faith that you need to stand on in a greater way, or you just need to realize, man, there are people that are not me that are leaving this place away from him, and I want to have a heart for them. But then B, don't stop it at a prayer. Quit praying crap you don't mean. I don't mean to be vulgar, but it's true. Do something about it. Let's pray.